but diagnoses can be hard to embrace, but you need to look at them as, um, you know, puzzle pieces. You may have these behaviors and they can be, um, they can be seen. If you put that puzzle piece of what, what um, may be the, the mental health challenge along with the addiction challenge, um, that's just giving you more tools, right? And I think there can be, I know for myself, I wanted to deny I, both. I was in places with both. I wanted to deny having mental health and then I wanted to deny having addiction. And I really had, until I embraced both, I would not have recovery. You're listening to The Recovered Life Show the show that helps people in recovery live their best recovered lives. And here is your host, Damon Frank. And welcome back to the Recovered Life Show. I am pleased to be joined today by recovery coach, Michelle Rowley. How you doing today, Michelle? Good. How are you? I am doing great. And I'm so glad to have you on today. Uh, we have kind of an interesting topic. Uh, and I think so many people are dealing with this in recovery, Michelle, that I was so excited to have you on to really kind of peel back the onion on this. And it's all about co-occurring disorders in recovery, really identifying and addressing mental health issues alongside addiction. Michelle, this is what you do. And I know you have a whole special room, a whole special group coaching meeting that goes on in recovered life. But tell people a little bit about you. You you specialize in this, and not only do you specialize in it, this was your story, right? This you you suffered from this, right? Right. Um, yeah, and I'm still in recovery for both. Um, I like to see it as constant recovery, right? Um, yeah, I have co-occurring disorders, and my co-occurring I call it a co-occurring recovery date is February first, so it's coming up, and it'll be my ten years. Um, because I get, began like an integrated treatment of this journey in 2013, February 1st. Um, and so a bit of my story, I had two previous um, times of sobriety and recovery. Um, back in 2003, I got about three and a half years starting from that date. And I think 2010, two and a half years. But both those time, I wasn't treating both the co-occurring. And I also was misdiagnosed. I was diagnosed as um, de depressed, major depressive disorder instead of bipolar. Um, so through those things, a little bit of my story kind of is, um, some of the things you hear a bit in the rooms or outside of the rooms. I had my experience in 2003, I was on medications, heard one person that told me only one out of every, I don't know how many other people in AA I was surrounded with that said I wasn't um, in recovery if it was on medication. So I went off my medications. Um, so therefore, I wasn't in mental health recovery, right? I was just staying abstinent and um, working the steps in, in a different frame of mind. Um, so then the second time around, I was treating both but wrong diagnosis. So in 2013, um, I went to Mayo Clinic and I got a proper diagnosis they had me go through. But the only way they could do that was from looking at my times of recovery in the past um, because they could see, we could identify where... Um, I had hypomanic periods and the depressive periods and how they fell. And um, that so happened to be able to do that because of recovery dates. Um, so yeah, so it's uh, the misdiagnosis really harmed me in terms of recovery, but it's that chicken and egg thing. It was a little easier to diagnose me once, once um, I had those periods of sober time. Yes. And you know what? This is why I really want to do this show today because- 
you mentioned a couple things that were just gold in there. And I, and I want to kind of dial back a little bit and, and, and talk with you about some of those specifics. One of which is, is that this whole double recovery thing. And, you know, it is a very chicken and egg thing because we were talking about how many times that undiagnosed mental health disorders happen in the rooms of recovery, in peer support, and they go undiagnosed and it's lumped into, well, that's just alcoholism. Even if they're sober, that's just alcoholism. It's a character defect. It's this, it's that, it's the other thing. You hear these words a lot, right? But actually it's a mental health disorder that's going on. There's something else that's going on with the person. And then the double message that some rooms, not, not all rooms, but some 12 step rooms will give where you're not sober. If you're uh, doing any kind of mental health treatment that takes uh, drugs, right? So I, I, I love that. Can, can you talk about, like you talked about how you separated that out, you know, how damaging was that for you to walk into a 12 step group and hear that, which by the way, like I know AA and NA, that's not their policy, right? These are people that are in these individual groups that are saying this, this isn't the group itself, just to be clear, how damaging was that? I mean, that must've really set you back to hear that you've worked so hard to recover and now they're saying you're not in recovery. Yeah. Yeah. It, it really did set me back, but there was also this, I didn't want to be diagnosed with co-occurring either. So hearing the one person say that was sort of like, all right, I, I'm just an alcoholic, but it, it incredibly set me back. It kept me from being able to do recovery work for my um, addiction issues because I wasn't addressing my mental health and it, um, yeah, it was an entire setback and, and, yeah. And looking back, you know, I got a little resentment towards that. I also have a little resentment towards the, the medical people too, because I was misdiagnosed for so long. So yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's weird because I think in the rooms and 12 step groups, there's a lot of misinformation about mental health. And then in the doctor community, I find just my opinion, guys, I find there's a lot of misinterpretation and, 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 and really not any knowledge about addiction. Right. So you have these two things battling constantly. You know, let's go back a little bit and really dive into what a, a co-occurring disorder is. Right. Because it could be it could be a lot of different things. You know, how do you define a co-occurring disorder if you're in addiction? What is a co-occurring disorder? Sure. Um, I think it can it can get to be a lot. You have the term co comorbidity and then you have co-occurring. But as I um, as I approach it, I approach it as a co-occurring being um, a mental health challenge. And then on top of that, um, an addiction issue, but it could be codependency as well. Um, we have codependency rooms in the co-occurring disorders um, clubhouse. Um, so yeah, I primarily kind of look at it that way, the um, addiction and the mental health. Um, and then I, I know that there's, in 2019, they um, it was estimated that there's 9.2 million people who have co-occurring disorders. 2014, it was 8 million, I believe. So who knows what it is um, while we're in the pandemic and whatnot. And again, it's a chicken and age is some of it may be brought on by addiction, but I know I was born bipolar for myself. So hopefully, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I know, I think that's so helpful because you know, what, what, what happens is, is that I have seen a lot of people um, here, you know, and, and this is, I, 
I won't even want to be a little bit more specific about this, Michelle, because this is where I see it in the recovery business, right? And you're a recovery coach, you're a peer support expert, you're a co-occurring disorder expert in that peer support. Like you really understand this well. I, I think, you know, it's the solution for addiction might not be the solution for your mental health disorder, right? Like it might not, it's not going to help bipolar disorder, right? And not all of it, like some of it might, but I, I remember growing up in 12 step groups, right? Being there in 12 step groups with the philosophy that like, well, this is going to cause anything. If you have, if you have anxiety disorder, uh, don't worry about it. Um, the 12 steps are going to help you or any kind of rehab is going to help you or addiction recovery is going to help you. That's, I found that not to be the case because I had an underlying anxiety disorder that I was suffering from that I was told by 12 step people was a character defect. Um, it wasn't a character defect. It was an anxiety disorder and the treatment for addiction to get me sober and to keep me sober was amazing. But honestly, it was hurting me from an anxiety st treatment standpoint of view. And it wasn't until then I had to separate to understand it's like, okay, there's two different things going on and I have to treat these two things differently. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm a firm believer in, well, what helped for me, it was an, <clears throat> excuse me, an integrative treatment plan. And so that's, well, I'll take a sip of water real quick. That's, <clears throat> excuse me, that's one where I was addressing both. I did go, I went into an inpatient treatment, um, a really good one in 2013 that was co-occurring disorders. And then uh, IOP and um, an outpatient program that was, was co-occurring disorders. And in those groups, we're, we're dealing with both. We're dealing with um, addiction issues and, and what those triggers are for that. We're dealing with triggers of what are mental health issues and learning about what are, what are, and self-advocacy for both, right? It takes a lot of self-advocacy when you have co-occurring disorders. Um, and that was, it was something I was, in 2010, when I went into treatment, I was told to treat one and then the other. That doesn't work for me. And I think it doesn't work for so many people. Treating both at the same, same time is like, I know it's it, very integral to my recovery and I wouldn't, I would not be a success in that if I didn't treat them both at the same time. You know, I love how you have, um, how you have married the best of both worlds. And just like the medication situation where you came to a point where you just said, okay, I got to let go of what these people say, because my experience and my doctor's experience and, you know, just seeing your life improve, right. After being on there, you had to kind of cut your own path. I, I love that a little bit. Can you talk about about cutting your own path and about being able to piece together a recovery system that really works for you? Sure. Um, yeah, cutting my own path. I I did and I have, you know, I figure out what, I've, I'm just constantly trying to learn. I'm trying to learn more. I, I have bipolar too. I'm trying to learn more about that um, and being mindful of where my moods are. But yeah, it's been cutting my own path in, in terms, I'm, I just like to soak up a lot of things. I soak up a different, um, different recovery methods as well. Um, and, and it really has, has been just seeing what works for me than trying to go through any certain formula. Um, and I've, I've benefited great from dialectical behavior therapy. I'm also benefit from 12 steps as well. Um, I do a bit of Buddhist recovery, um, 
I'm just always like seeking those things. Um, and I guess in that point, it's cutting my own path. But I also, um, I'm very aware of what my triggers are, where I'm at. Right now, I'm kind of in a a bit of a hypomanic state, but I know what that looks like because I have 10 years of, of being with it. I know you know, I want, I know what the onset is. I know what the during is. I know what the post is. Um, and so that's, that's just from a lot of um, self-advocacy and self-acknowledgement, I think too. I love that. I love, you know what, I, and you know what I think we talk a lot about in Recovered Life about this really being a, the whole recovery journey being a process of finding ways to be able to live your best recovered life and to be able to grow your self-awareness, right? And the fact that you just know, you know yourself and that's the great thing. It's just like, yeah, I might be, you know, maybe it's recovery. I might be acting out because I have these triggers, right? Like knowing yourself is really the whole key, I think, to a great recovery. Michelle, when we come back from this quick break, I want you to dive in because I think what you have here in the co-occurring disorders room and your practice as a, as a recovery and peer support specialist is so key. You've put together some things that really work when you're dealing with co-occurring disorders and recovery. And we come back, I want you to give us all the tips. So when, when we come back, guys, Michelle's going to give us some insight on tips that really work if you're suffering from co-occurring disorders and addiction. We'll be right back. Are you looking to enhance the quality of your sobriety in the new year? Look no further than Recovered Life's Recovery Meditation Meetings, hosted by Pastor Kevin Klein, a sober coach and recovery-focused meditation teacher with over 25 years of experience. Meditation has the power to be a game changer in your recovery journey, and Kevin's decades of experience makes him the perfect guide to help you find peace and freedom through meditation. Take advantage of this opportunity to commit to a better sobriety in 2023. RSVP now by visiting recoveredlife.us and clicking on Find Your Meeting. See you there. You're listening to The Recovered Life Show. And we're back with recovery coach Michelle Rowley. We're talking about co-occurring disorders in recovery. I promised Michelle that when we came back, you were going to give some really lightning tips here to help the people that are listening that might be suffering from this or might have a friend that's suffering from this. You know, when you look at co-occurring disorders, Michelle, and you look at addiction treatment, it's just like a plate of spaghetti you're trying to navigate through, right? You've got a really kind of clear path about how to kind of start that journey to start separating everything out and putting together a recovery treatment plan that's going to work for you. Yes, yes. There are a couple different of tools that I've used with um, in my coaching practice. And I have both. Um, we still silo things in, even in modern times. I live in Minnesota, and so there's a peer support Um qualification for people that work with mental uh, mental health challenges and then a peer recovery for people that work with substance use. So um, so I have this education, like education in both. Um, 
And so what I do is I try to, to bring that in into a co-occurring aspect and really use, you know, self-assessments with people where they can identify what their strengths are. One of them is a reco uh, wellness recovery action plan that comes from a mental health standpoint. You kind of define what your hope is and what kind of tools you have in your toolbox and, and what, what things look like while before a crisis, during a crisis, post-crisis in you when it comes to uh, mental health relapses. And then the same a tool that I use um, for the substance use recovery is a recovery capital plan. And it's kind of the same way, thing, but just a little bit, it asks more questions in self-assessment. So I've, I've made an approach where I meld those and like work with both in a co-occurring manner. Um, and I've found it really um empowering for people to take it from that standpoint. I think it is empowering. And I, I, you know, I want to ask you, what do you think the, the worst mistake that people make if they're sitting there and they're, you know, maybe they're going to meetings and they're doing the deal, but the recovery that they're seeing other people have with the work that they're putting in, isn't, it's not translating for them. Right. And they know that maybe something's going on. What do you think that the 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 number one mistake that people make that might be suffering from a co-incurring disorder that are in addiction treatment do? Denial, maybe. <laughs> I would say that the number one thing that I've found is to diagnoses can be hard to embrace, but you need to look at them as, um, you know, puzzle pieces. You may have these behaviors and they can be um, they can be seen if you put that puzzle piece of what what um, may be the, the mental health challenge along with the addiction challenge, um, that's just giving you more tools, right? And I think there can be, I know for myself, I wanted to deny I both. I was in places with both. I wanted to deny having mental health and then I wanted to deny having addiction. And I really had, until I embraced both, I would not have recovery. I just struggled. I struggled within the 12 steps. I, I spent two years trying to do them without acknowledging mental health and couldn't. Um, and then I spent some time going to mental health groups and then going home and drinking. And so I think the number one obstacle is, is the denial of both disorders. Um, it just, that's where I see with people I coach, it's the same thing that you. Yeah, really I, I think it is. It. it is denial, right? It's just like, it's like, I don't want to look at that. You know, the other thing is too, is that I've found in working with people that might have a co-incurring disorder that are in recovery, even if they've been able to regain some sort of get, regain some recovery, right? They have recovery. They're not drinking and using. A lot of the times it's just that barrier. It's like, you know what? I'm already having to deal with the fact that I'm an alcoholic or a drug addict or disordered eater or whatever that is. Now on top of it, I don't want another label. Like they just don't want another label, right? Like, how how important is it to like build that community, Michelle, of other people that can you can identify with and talk openly with that might be going through what you're going through if you have a co-occurring disorder? Yeah, I think is again it, it's that empowerment piece that comes uh, across when you kind of you accept the diagnosis. It doesn't really have to be a label. It's something you know. I, I you know I have my bipolar disorder. I'm not, I'm, I'm not, I'm not bipolar disorder. If that makes any, any sense, I'm not addiction, but I have an addiction. Um, I know it's been incredibly, I have uh, this group that I've, um, developed online has, 
that's what we do. We go around how you, when you go around um, in a 12 step program and identify as being an addict or an alcoholic type thing. Um, however you want to identify your, um, your substance use disorder. The same thing we do in my groups is, you know, I identify as a woman in long-term recovery from alcohol addiction, bipolar 2, ADHD, PTSD, um, dyslexia. Like those are all things I'm in recovery for that don't really define me, but I I integratively work on that recovery every day. And I think, I think it's empowering just to acknowledge it. Absolutely. You know, one of the, one of the great things that I think we did with recovered life is identify that this was an area that a lot of people are just lost in, right? They're just, they're, they're lost. And I see so many people just, they're lost in 12 step groups and coming in and out. Um, and it is in it, it, it really is as simple and as complex as just identifying that there's a co-occurring disorder coming on, because that's where the treatment starts is when the denial stops, right? That maybe something is going on. One of the great things that we've got is you've got a great co-occurring disorders group within recovered life with just people that identify that are going through this emotional state that are going through this, that are dealing with this. Um, I want to talk about that. And I want to talk about coaching specifically with someone with a co-occurring disorder, because if, if ever there were coaches needed for recovery, this would be it. Can you talk about what people will, ex, you know, could expect if they go to your peer support group on recovered life or coach with you independently? Because I know a lot of people are intimidated, Michelle. They're like, I, I'm not quite sure I could do this. It, what would they, what will, what do people, ex, what will people experience if they go through that process? Um, well, in my groups, um, I, I love the groups on Recovered Life. In my groups, I um, we just talk about different issues. We had one on what does a New Year's resolution look like, right? It may not be, I don't know, it, it's the same as somebody who doesn't have a mental health or addiction issue. Um, and we just discuss those. We may discuss tools. I like to use um I said before I was through dialectical behavior therapy. I like to use some of those tools um, and talk about them. And we could talk about, discuss using them um, in my groups as well. Um, and that's, it all comes upon all those skills we can put into our toolbox. And that's, that's how I work with people one-on-one as well is, um, you know, the groups, the groups are fabulous for support. And then one-on-one it's, we kind of get into the nitty gritty of, of what's going to work with you. And again, it's like that self, self evaluating first. I mean, then I work with them from there and maybe ask some questions they wouldn't think um, about asking um, for themselves when it comes to integrated treatment. And how important is it to get a proper diagnosis from a medical professional uh, because I think so many people will maybe know that there's something that's going on, right? And they'll maybe start doing some online searches, talk to people, start to kind of gather information. How important is it to find that right medical professional that you can deal with to get that diagnosis? Oh, it's 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 very important. I think it's the key to treating your co-occurring disorders is to get that medical opinion. And um, I just would try to encourage people to do that, to, to get a proper diagnosis, go through some sort of um, evaluation that is going to, to take you through um, a set of, 
of tests kind of were some of the things I had for especially the ADHD part of it and the bipolar. Like I said, we could identify um, issues and I, I can't do that with a sponsor, right? That's not their place. I have to do that with a medical professional um, because they're the ones who can do it. And then you can incorporate me for sort of that extra support um, because it is hard to find mental health uh, mental health um, support these days. And, and um, I love the fact that I can work alongside the professionals. I can't treat, I can't diagnose anybody, but I can work alongside with um, what they want to work on in terms of um, their mental health recovery. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, what's been so great is I've been in groups with you and have seen your just recovery day to day and it's amazing. And uh, it's, what what I really love is that you do the work, right? Like you're very, you, you have really diligent self analysis of what's you're honest about what's going on with you and you do the work, you know, final thoughts here, Michelle Rowley, anyone who's out there that might be suffering from a co-incurring disorder and addiction. And just as like, you know what, man, this is just an impossible thing. I'm never really going to be able to, I'm never really going to be able to have the recovery that I want. What would, what would be your final thoughts for them? Oh gosh. Um, don't give up. Um, the it's, it's hard to get that co-occurring disorder recovery, but, but really it just takes tiny steps to do it. Um, it can be overwhelming. I know how overwhelming it is to have to face that you have both. And we also have to remember that addiction is substance use disorder is in the DSM five. It is defined as a mental illness. So, um, you know, having that equation too, I think helps somebody go, well, yeah, okay. That's, that's a mental health diagnosis. And I also have this anxiety, bipolar, something else going on. Um, and to just, you know, keep building those supports. There's mutual support programs for mental health as well as there are 12 step groups. There's NAMI has peer to peer support groups. Um, so just keep trying that and just build your support system. Um, that, yeah, that would be my, um, my takeaway for people. I think that's a powerful takeaway. We're going to put links on how you can connect with Michelle Rowley. You can find out about the Recovered Life Co-Occurring Disorders Room and also reach out to her if uh, you feel you need some extra, you know, some extra advice, uh, really kind of dialing in on a recovery plan that's going to work for you when you have a co-occurring disorder. Michelle Rowley, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you for having me. Keep the conversation going. Join Recovered Life. Recovered Life is a peer support network with direct access to top recovery coaches, content, community, and quality peer support meetings that can be accessed virtually. Whether you're pursuing a 12-step program, not involved in 12 steps, spiritual, agnostic, atheist, or just trying to figure it out, you're welcome here. Sign up today and access unlimited group meetings for only $19.99 a month. And because we know you'll love it, we're offering you your first 30 days for free. Don't wait. Visit recoveredlife.us and become a member today.